Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. If you feel discouraged with your mountaineering performance, I want you to imagine with me. Imagine yourself a year from now. What will you be able to climb? How will your body feel? What will be easy for you? If you worry it might not actually be that different, consider this. Science suggests that most of us overestimate what we can accomplish in a month and underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And I am here to tell you it is possible that if you keep up the hard work, you won't recognize yourself 12 months from now. So today on the podcast, to give you an example, I'm going to look back at my own development in the past year and share what changed in the mindsets that got me there. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friend, how you doing? I'm recording this on the first day of August. Like, I can't believe, I feel like I say this every month. Like, what is happening? (laughs) The time, the summer, the season is all just flying by so fast. So really hope you're making the most of it. I've been really enjoying like watching the Olympics and following some of the stories. One that's really been in my mind is the whole thing with Simone Biles. I don't know if any of you are following that, but yeah, she decided to withdraw from some of the competitions. We don't know at this point if it's going to be all of them, just to because when she was going out and doing some of the skills, she was just feeling like not able to concentrate, not able to do them safely, like from a mental headspace kind of place. And I don't know, I think that's so monumental for an athlete that has so much pressure, so much eyes on them to make that decision, which I think is ultimately such a smart and responsible decision. And I think it's fascinating, all the people that are just trashing on her and hating her. First of all, I like people like Piers Morgan that could not like do a backflip if their life depended on it, much less some of the stuff Simone Biles does. And then like the whole idea that it would be fine if an athlete withdrew from competition because their ankle was broken or they had a physical injury. But, you know, the fact that they can't concentrate or that they're 
mindset game is not there. That's not a good enough excuse, even though that is arguably as important to keeping them safe as their physical integrity. So I think this is important for us to remember as mountaineers and outdoor athletes too. Like our mental health is part of our safety and it's so important that we take care of it, that we take it seriously. And when it's not there, it's totally okay to admit that and make the call that maybe we're not going to do something because we just can't do it safely because our head is not in it. And it's so sad that we need someone, an athlete of Simone Biles' stature to point this out for us. I feel like this is something we should all just be intuitively able to do for ourselves. But by giving herself permission, I feel like she kind of gave us permission as well. So that's so cool. And also, by the way, my favorite, my favorite like trashing, not that I like any trashing of her, but there was like one, I don't even know his name, some tennis player, I guess he's kind of famous, but he was just like mansplaining to her about mental toughness on Twitter. And it's so important that we need to learn to take the pressure, you know, as if she has it by like winning all these Olympic and world championships, you know, but she has to learn to take the pressure. So this guy's kind of like, like being very patronizing to her in his public statements. And then literally like a couple hours later, like went out, lost a match, had like a five-year-old temper tantrum and threw the racket into the audience. So there you go. I mean, who do you want as your role model? I think I know. Anyway, let's dive into the topic for today. So we're going to talk about what a year of growth in mountaineering training, in endurance training looks like? So I think this is such a great question to ask ourselves as new athletes, but also as people who are have been doing this for a couple of years, who are looking to level up. What will you look like in a year? And the reason this question is so powerful is because it's so hard to see day-to-day growth in ourselves. Endurance training, by definition, has an incredibly slow pace, and that can be discouraging. Whenever we first start training or start doing a new training regimen, it takes four to six weeks to actually see improvements in our aerobic function. And if you recall, your aerobic function is your stamina for long, slow distance. It's your performance at those lower intensity levels, which is so fundamental to what we do. It's like the most important thing that we work on, but it is a slow process and it takes time to really notice ourselves getting stronger, being able to go longer with less effort, being able to do more at a lower heart rate. That can take months before it actually starts to register like in our subjective experience or in our training diary. So Because of that, I think a year is a great time frame to think about. And one thing you can do if you're right now training and you have enough data that you can look back a year in your training diary, whether that's a written diary or done on an app like Strava or Training Peaks, it's kind of fun to see what you were doing a year ago and often kind of surprising. And if maybe you just started training, this is your first year, mark on your calendar to write yourself a reminder to do this a year from now so that you can really see how amazing if you keep working hard, showing up every day, putting in the work, even when it doesn't feel like you're making progress, just so you can see just exactly how far you can come. It's kind of mind-blowing. So the way I wanted to present this to you was to talk a little bit about my growth over the last year. And I'm in a little bit different position than some of you. Most of you are training for mountaineering and trekking. I am actually training for ultra running. I don't really have like any big mountaineering goals on the calendar. However, it's all 
endurance training. It's all the same process. I do slightly different workouts than you, but my process and my <laughs> the idea that it takes a long time and that you don't see a lot of growth from moment to moment, day to day, week to week is the same. So pretty much everything I'm going to talk about today, you can kind of take and is also going to apply for those of you who are training for mountaineering. So what changes have I seen in the past year? So this time last year, around July 25th, I ran my first ultra, ultra marathon. It was a 50K. It had about 7,500 feet of vert. So it was a pretty tough 50K. I was so terrified to run it, felt so unprepared. And I was working with a coach at the time. And, you know, there were some ups and downs with that, which I'll share as we go through the podcast. But yeah, so fast forward one year later, I'm actually getting ready to do a very similar ultra marathon. It's another 50K. It's also 7,500 feet of vert. And I feel such a difference in my mind, in my body, in my preparedness. I'm actually really excited to go and run this 50K. And what's different now? So what's changed in the last year? So I'm running faster. I can see this in my training diary. And I'm also running, I'm doing it at a lower heart rate. So that aerobic training, that time on the feet, it actually all worked. I can go faster now with a lot less effort. Improved stamina. Distances feel shorter. I ran a half marathon a couple over Memorial Day weekend in May. Didn't even really <laughs> feel like it was all that long, which just felt amazing. Running uphill. Last year, I didn't run uphill hardly at all in training or in events. And now in training, I actually run uphill quite a bit. And it's fun to see on Strava. If you use the app Strava, it'll actually have segments in there and you can see whenever you set a personal best. So it's been fun to watch like myself, especially the past month or two, being able to run uphill and setting all these personal records on the uphill segments, which it just seemed unimaginable last year. I'm like, how do people run uphill? <laughs> seems so impossible. And then a lot of the mind habits. I feel a lot less anxiety before this race coming up. Yeah, I was terrified before the first 50K. I, I would have to basically stop working my day job and do breath work, like lay down on the floor and calm myself down a few times a day because I was just getting so anxious before that race. And this time, I, I don't feel that. I, I just feel really excited. I feel like it's going to be what it's going to be. And it, it's total, I'm totally capable and will be fine in it. Um, another thing that's changed over this past year, I have a totally new relationship with alcohol. I took a 90-day break. There's a podcast about that. And now... Dude, I do drink, but like my relationship with it and my desire for it is completely different and did a lot of the, the mindset work to really make that happen, which has resulted in me having like so much more energy to change. My immunity is better, so that allows me to train harder, so that's been amazing. And then overall, just enjoying the sport so much more. And I'll talk a little bit in the podcast about some of the reasons for that. And while you can see that some of these differences are physical, 90% of this growth, even the physical stuff, I think, comes from mindset. So let me just share with you a couple ways my mind is different today than it was let's say a year ago. So number one thing that's different, now I am taking full responsibility for my own results. And I think this is some a trap that a lot of us fall into when we start doing endurance training. We don't really know what we're doing. It's hard for us to take real responsibility. So we like to find a way to give up responsibility to something else. So for example, I was giving it up to a coach. Whatever the coach said, I was going to do it, even if 
I didn't feel like maybe it was exactly right for me or maybe it wasn't like sitting well with my body because the coach said to do it, I was going to do it. Some people do this also with training plans. I shared a story on here before about how I used a training plan that I got off the internet when I was training for Mount Rainier and I followed it pretty much into the grave (laughs) and to the point where I was very overtrained, very fatigued, but I didn't feel confident enough to take responsibility for my own training, for my own results. So I was like, I'm just going to follow this 100% perfectly. People do this also with apps like Training Peaks. It has that algorithm that tells you how fatigued you are, how fit you are. I have some, (laughs) I actually feel like it's a little bit dubious. We'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, people really live and die by that rather than noticing what's going on in their own bodies. Um, They live and die by their heart rate watch. If I'm at this heart rate, then I must be doing it right. Anyway, so getting back to me and my coach, because that was what was going on about a year ago, I realized that, you know, some of the workouts she was giving me were not really matching up with what I felt in my own body would be appropriate for me to do. And for example, she had me training. She assessed my aerobic threshold, which um, if you don't know what that is, it's basically just in her methodology, the heart rate at which it's kind of the maximum heart rate that you can be at before you start to accumulate lactate in your blood, which is kicking into your energy system. If you want an overview of that, check out my podcast on lactate threshold. It talks about the different energy systems. But anyway, she tested my aerobic threshold and she built all the workouts around that. And I always felt that she had tested it too high, like subjectively to me. I was doing a lot of running that was pretty hard. It was on a scale of one to 10, maybe like an RPE 7, when maybe a 5 or a 6 would have been really where I should be for these base workouts. So I don't know. I, I just started to struggle and I told her, you know, I don't feel good. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of overtraining. And she would look at the numbers on Training Peaks and say, but your numbers are really good. You're still running as fast. You're not getting slower. And to me, this now, now looking back is kind of a red flag when you're working with a coach. Like anytime, <laughs> the numbers are more important and then what you are reporting subjectively in your body, you might want to, you know, start to question that. And maybe it's time for like a hard conversation with about, you know, are you really the coach for me? But anyway, so it took me a while, but I finally realized, you know, she wasn't quite getting me the same results that I had really hoped for, ended up parting ways with this coach, thought about getting another coach, and then really spent some time thinking about, you know, maybe I can do this on my own. You know, I'm a personal trainer. I'm actually a, a running coach you know, let's see how I go on my own. And really what I stepped into was the importance of trusting my own body and taking responsibility for my results. I reassessed like where I thought my zone should be, started running about 10 beats below where she had me and was able to do just so much more volume with so much less stress. And interestingly, the Training Peaks fitness scores a year later after going through a season with my own method, they're exactly the same. So, you know, with so much less agony, according to Training Peaks at least, I'm just as fit. So taking responsibility for your own results, it's such a radical step and it's a little bit scary, right? Because it also means you have to take responsibility for your bad results. And you will. You will make mistakes just like coaches make mistakes. And training plans are definitely one training plan is not for cannot be used by every human in existence to get good results. There's always going to be mistakes, like no matter who you're giving your responsibility to. So why not let it be you? And then if you make a mistake, if you don't get the results you want, at least you're 
maybe learning from that and growing from that and developing from that. So taking responsibility, such a radical step, made such a big difference for me. Number two thing that's really helped, and I kind of alluded to this in number one, was embodiment work. So the embodiments, the moment-to-moment awareness of your body and its experience. And one thing that's really hard to do whenever you are externally motivated by a coach, by a training program, is to embody, to Whenever you're trying to meet external expectations, someone else's expectations, you tend to kind of disengage from what's happening inside of you. So when our bodies, wants and needs conflict with whatever the assigned workout is, we tend to discount like what we're feeling and think that maybe somebody else knows better and that our body is just being silly. Really, I've realized that this works better when we completely flip this paradigm around. So part of my recovery after I split ways from my coach and was just trying to figure out what was going on with me was putting my heart rate watch in the pack. I used to always just stare at it constantly and be like, what zone am I in? Am I going hard enough? And I really wanted to stop looking at the number and really start looking inside and noticing in my body whenever I felt like I was at the right pace. So this has been so game changing for me to just really tune into the body, let the body lead, figure out what's going on with the body. I mentioned that I redid my zones based on what I was feeling subjectively working out and my heart rate zones for my in-town workouts. And that, that's been amazing. They definitely feel like now they're in the right place. And I mentioned some examples on the podcast before, like for example, running in the heat. I used to, whenever I was running in the heat, try to make myself run for 10 minutes and then I could walk for one minute. And really I was just, you know, it was never working. I was never making it 10 minutes and finally decided at some point just to be like, Hey body, you just tell me when it's time to walk, when it's time to run. And And I actually ended up running so much more. It was pretty amazing. Another example of this is fartlek workouts. Some people really resist fartlek. They they always think that they'll get a better result or more intensity by doing a structured workout, like structured intervals, where say, so far, like for those of you who are new to that term, is where you just play with speed. You do like maybe a fast run and then, or in, you can do it with hiking too. Maybe you do a power hike. You really pick up the pace, like going up a hill and, you know, then you stop after a couple of minutes, whenever it feels good, let your body recover. And then you, you know, look for an opportunity to do another interval. That's really different, right? Than having an assigned interval where say you're going to power hike for three minutes and then rest for three minutes and then power hike again and re- repeat five times. So a lot of people like really resist the fart like they want the structured. But actually what I've found is whenever I go into a fart like like excited, motivated, I actually can get a higher intensity score sometimes than if I'm just doing those structured intervals. It's really kind of amazing to watch. And if you use training peaks, you can actually see the intensity score and see how that happens. So How do you become more embodied? One thing that's really helped me was breath work. And I think any mind-body practice is really important for this. We're so busy. We're like always just like running around like crazy squirrels. And if you think about it, you've probably had experiences where you've maybe been at work and been so busy that you're just ignoring all your body's needs. Maybe you need to pee. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you need a drink of water. And because your brain is just kind of overriding (laughs) your embodiment, you just 
just like neglect your body in these ways that are really unhealthy. So being mindful, being able to reconnect, being able to tap into my body and its needs and how it's feeling in any moment has been so important. Breath work is the practice that has really helped me with this. If you're interested in experiencing it, definitely check out the show notes. I believe in this so hardcore. I've actually gone on and become a facilitator and have like lots of ways that you can try this. Many of them are free if you just want a little taste to see if it works for you. Number three <laughs> change I made was making training more fun and flexible this year. So when I was with my coach, I, not because she said to, but I think I was, you know, making my own expectations around this. I was really focused on doing her programs perfectly. And because, you know, she's a running coach, everything assigned was running. So that meant I very often skipped going on hikes and scrambles with friends. And uh, truth be told, running's not a very social activity for me. I'm, I'm a slow runner. I'm often in the back of the pack by myself. And, you know, I can always hang out with people before and after, but I was already kind of lonely. This was during the pandemic also. So, you know, all of us were probably a little bit <laughs> needy in our social needs at this point. So this year I decided I was going to change that. And I decided not based on any science, but just because I thought that it would be true for me. I decided to make a rule that brisk hiking is the equivalent to running. And Honestly, it made sense to me. I, if I was doing ultras and I was doing a lot of walking in those, especially like almost all of my uphill last year, I was walking. So why not? You know, why not practice walking as well as running? So yeah. What that's resulted in is just the quality of my life has improved exponentially. I've just, you know, been able to do things with friends. I've been able to get out and have that connection and just, you know, also have some flexibility, some variety in my program. And what it's really led to as far as performance has been that it's improved. Like, I don't think the walking has actually hurt me. And even if it had, I think it's still worth it in many ways because it's just enriching other areas of my life and just making, if you think about endurance training, it takes hours and hours a week. So it's just making it more sustainable for me if those hours are fun, if they're social, if there's some variety, if there's some different things I can do. So fun and flexibility, very, very important. Number four, this one is huge. I decided this year that I belong in the sport of ultra running. And it used to be that I was very aware of in this sport, not really being quote unquote very good. I used to be embarrassed that usually in races, I would be in the back of the pack. I would usually finish last or second to last within the last few people that would finish. And like having angst about being slow, being at the back of the pack led to all sorts of dysfunctional behavior. I would try to go faster. I would try to catch people. I would try to pass people when it really wasn't serving me to kind of break out of my plan, break out of my zone. And I also, because I was, I perceived myself to be slow, I avoided group runs. And when I was on group runs or running with other people, I was always apologizing for being slow. So fast forward one year, oh my gosh, like so much growth in this area. Like I, I went on a group run yesterday and I was with only one other guy, only one other person showed up and we had fun running and I was like a mile behind him. He would wait every once in a while and catch up. He was really cool like that. And I, 
I honestly was just having fun and I didn't apologize once. And I actually, I was having kind of a strong run, like I was on my tapers, so felt really fresh and even mentioned to him once. I'm like, yeah, this is a good run for me. And he's kind of looking at me funny, like, damn, what's a bad run? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't even like really occur to me to be embarrassed about it, which has been amazing. So what's the difference? I just decided in my head to belong in the trail running and ultra running communities at the races. And I just decided that that was the way it was going to be like a 20 uh, for someone who is running like a 15, 20 minute mile pace belongs just as much as someone who's running an eight to 12 pace. And I think one thing that's come out of this for me is I really want to be a leader in this sport. There are plenty of people who are out there running at my pace on the trails and very few of them are running ultras. And I know that because <laughs> I'm alone in the back of that pack. So I want to show them what's possible. And I want there to be someday as many people running the 20 minute pace as the 12 minute pace in the ultra. And I want the back of us to just be a big group that's all together taking care of each other and having fun. That's my dream. <laughs> so <laughs> watch out world. Who knows when it's going to happen, but I think I want to just be a small part of showing people what's possible. So there you go. That's a year of growth and development for me. Um, I hope that was like somehow useful to hear. It feels strange to talk about myself like so much, but I don't know. Sometimes I think people are curious too. You guys ask. So there's a year of growth and hopefully your own year of growth has been just as amazing. I would love to hear about it. So if we're not connected through my Facebook group, it's Mountaineers and Backpackers and Training or on Instagram, my handle at Misadventure Pants. Let's definitely connect. Would love just to see what you're up to, hear how you're growing and changing and all the little insights that are coming through. So thanks, friends. Hope you're having a good week and talk to you here next week. Hey, friend. If you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.